Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, parents and teachers, welcome to the One School, One Book podcast, brought to you by Costello Elementary School in the heart of the Troy School District. I'm your host, Mr. McKinney, and we have an incredible episode lined up for you today. Today, we are privileged to have two extraordinary guests with us who will take us on a thrilling literary adventure. Our special guest readers are none other than the reading specialist extraordinaire, Dr. Karen Reese. And of course, joining her is our fearless leader, the elementary principal with boundless enthusiasm for learning, Dr. Tammy DePonio. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the doctors are in the house. On today's episode, we're continuing the mesmerizing journey through the captivating pages of The One and Only Ivan by the incredible Catherine Applegate. This heartwarming tale has stolen our hearts, and we're thrilled to dive back into Ivan's world, thanks to our fantastic readers. But before we venture into the wild, a quick reminder for all our listeners. Grab your favorite spot to relax, maybe a cozy corner or under a tree, and let the magic of storytelling take over your imagination. We had a few messages from last week's recording from the first grade team, so let's take a listen to what our listeners had to say. My name is Lucas. When I read the part about Ivan family, it made me cry. The characters are very interesting and lovable, and the story is written in a way that kids can understand. This book really changes the way you think about animals in circuses. This book is incredible. It has great characters, messages, and themes. The plot is well thought out and just overall amazing. A big thank you to everyone's continued participation by sending in your voice recordings or emails to Mr. McKinney. It really makes our podcast that much more special. Now, let's welcome our esteemed guests, Dr. Karen Reese and Dr. Tammy DePonio. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Costello Cardinals. It is Dr. Reese and Dr. DePonio. We hope that you are all having a fantastic summer and we love that you have been following along with the one and only Ivan. So today Dr. Reese and I are going to be reading pages 228 to 262 and we're going to take turns. So we'll let Dr. Reese get us started. All right. The Ape Artist. I have new names. People call me the Ape Artist. The Primate Picasso. I have visitors from morning till night, and so does Ruby. But nothing's changed for her. Every day or two, four and seven, Ruby plods through the sawdust with Snickers on her back. Every night she has bad dreams. Bob, I say after that, I've soothed Ruby to sleep with a story. My idea isn't working. Bob opens one eye. Be patient. I'm tired of being patient, I say interview. This evening, a man and woman come to interview Mac and also George and Julia. The man has large and heavy camera perched on his shoulder. He films me as I take my pictures. He films Ruby in her cage with her foot roped to the bolt in the floor. Mind if I take a look around? He asks. Mac waves his hand. Be my guest. While Mac and the woman talk, the cameraman walks through the mall. 
He pans his camera right and left, up and down. When his eyes fall on the click claw stick, he stops. He trains his camera on the gleaming blade. Then he moves on. The early news. Mac turns on the TV. We are on the early news at five o'clock. Bob says, don't let it go to my head. Then we all are. Mac, Ruby, me, Julia and George, the billboard, the mall, the ring, and the claw stick. Signs on sticks. In the morning, several people gather in the parking lot. They're carrying signs on sticks. The signs have words and pictures on them. One has a drawing of a gorilla cradling a baby elephant. I wish I could read. Mm. Protesters. More people with signs come today. They want Ruby to be free. Some of them even want Mac to shut down the mall. In the evening, George and Mac talk about them. Mac says they're protesting the wrong guy. He says they're going to ruin everything. He says, thanks for nothing, George. Mac stomps off. George, holding his mop, watches him leave. He rubs his eyes. He looks worried. Dad, Julia says, looking up from her homework. You know what my favorite sign was? Hmm, George asks, which one? The one that said, elephants are people too. George gives her a tired smile. He goes back to work. His his mop moves across the empty food court like a giant brush, painting a picture no one will ever see. Check marks. A tall man with a clipboard and pencil comes to visit. He says he is here to inspect the property. He doesn't say much more, but he makes many check marks on his paper. He looks at my floor. Check. He examines Ruby's hay. Check. He eyes our water bowls. Check. Mac watches him, scowling. Bob is outside, hiding near the dumpster. He does not want to be a check mark. Free Ruby. Every day there are more protesters and cameras with bright lights. Sometimes the people carrying signs shout, Free Ruby! Free Ruby! Ivan, Ruby asks, Why are those people yelling yelling my name? Are they mad at me? Oh, they're mad, I say, but not at you. A A week later, the inspecting man comes back with a friend, a woman with smart, dark eyes like my mother's. She has a white coat on, and she smells like Lobelia... Lobelia blossoms. Her hair is thick and brown, the color of a rotten branch teeming with luscious ants. Hmm. She watches me for a long time. Then she watches Ruby. She talks to the man. They both talk to Mac. The man gives Mac a sheet of paper. Mac covers his face. He goes to his office and slams the door. I wonder what was on that piece of paper. New box. Something strange is happening. The white-coated woman is back with other humans. They place a large box in the center of the ring. It's ruby-sized. And suddenly, I know why the woman is here. 
She's here to take Ruby away. Oh, training. The woman leads Ruby to the box. She places an apple inside. Good girl, Ruby, she says kindly. Don't be afraid. Ruby inspects the box with her trunk. The woman makes a clicking sound with a little piece of metal she is holding in her hand. She gives Ruby a piece of carrot. Each time Ruby touches the box, she gets a click and a treat. Hmm, why is she making that clicking noise, I ask Bob. They do that to dogs all the time, Bob says. I can tell he doesn't approve. It's called clicker training. They want Ruby to associate the noise with the treat. When she does something they want, they make that noise. Great job, the woman says. You're a quick study. After many clicks and carrots, she takes Ruby back to her cage. Why is that lady giving me carrots when I touch the box, Ruby asks me. I think she wants you to go inside, I explain. But there's nothing inside, Ruby says, except an apple. Hmm. Inside that box, I say, is the way out. Ruby tilts her head. I don't get it. See the picture of the red giraffe on the box? I think the lady is from the zoo, Ruby. I think she's getting ready to take you there. I wait for Ruby to trumpet with joy, but instead she just stares at the box in silence. I'm not sure you understand. That box may be taking you to a place where there are other elephants, I say, a place with more room and humans who care about you. But even as I say these words, I remember with a shudder the last box I was in. I don't want a zoo, Ruby says. I want you and Bob and Julia. This is my home. No, Ruby, I say. This is your prison. Poking and prodding. The lady comes again. She brings an animal doctor with an awful smell and a dangerous looking bag. He spends an hour with Ruby, poking and prodding. He looks at her eyes, her feet, her trunk. When he's done with Ruby, he enters my cage. I wish I could hide under not tag like Bob. Instead, I do a nice, loud chest beat, and after a moment, the doctor retreats. We're going to need to put this one under, he says. I'm not quite sure what he means, but I strut around my cage feeling victorious anyway. No painting. No one asked me to paint today. No one asked Ruby to perform. There are no shows, no visitors, unless you count the protesters. Max stays in his office all day. More boxes. I wake up from a long morning nap. Bob is on my belly, but he isn't asleep. He's watching the ring where four men are placing a large metal box. It's me-sized. What's that? I ask, still blurry from sleep. Bob nuzzles my chin. I believe that box is for you, my friend. I'm not sure what he means. Me? They brought in a bunch of boxes while you were sleeping. 
Looks to me like they're taking the whole lot of you, he says casually, licking a paw. Even Thelma. Taking, I repeat, taking us where? Sniffling. She goes, oops. Turned too many pages. Well, some to the zoo probably, others to an animal shelter where humans will try to find them homes. Bob shakes himself. So I guess all good things must come to an end, huh? His voice is bright, but his eyes are far away and sad. I'm going to miss your stomach, big guy. Bob shuts his eyes. He makes an odd noise in his throat. But what about you, I ask. I can't tell if Bob's just pretending to sleep, but he doesn't answer. I gaze at the huge, shadowy box, and suddenly I understand how Ruby feels. I don't want to go into that box. The last time I was in a box, my sister died. Goodbye. When George and Julia came that night, George doesn't get his mop or his broom. He gathers up his tools and belongings where Julia runs to my cage, or while Julia runs to my cage. This is my last night, Ivan, she says, and she presses her palm to my glass. Mac fired my dad. Tears slip down her cheeks. But the zoo lady said maybe they'll have an opening there in a while, cleaning cages and stuff. I walk to the glass that separates us. I put my hand where Julia's is, palm to palm, finger to finger. My hand is bigger, but they're not so very different. I'm going to miss you, Julia says, and Ruby and Bob, but this is a good thing. Really, it is. You deserve a different life. I stare into her dark eyes, and I wish I had words for her. Sniffling, she goes to Ruby's cage. Have a good life, Ruby, she says. Ruby makes a little rumbling around, a rumbling sound. She puts her trunk between the bars and touches Julia's shoulder. Where is Bob anyway, Julia asks. She looks around, under tables, in my cage, by the trash can. Dad, she calls, have you seen Bob? Bob? Nope, George says. Julia's brow wrinkles. What's going to happen to him, Dad? What if Mac shuts down the whole mall? He says he's going to try to keep it open without the animals, George says. He stuffs his hands in his pockets. I'm worried about Bob, too, but he's a survivor. You know what, Dad? Julia gets a gleam in her eye. Bob could live with us. Mom loves dogs, and he could keep her company, and... Jules, I'm not even sure I have a job yet. I may not even be able to feed you, let alone some mutt. My dog walking money. Oh, sorry, Jules. Julia nodded, or nods. I understand. She starts to leave, then runs back to my cage. I almost forgot. This is for you, Ivan. She slips a piece of paper into my cage. It's a drawing of Ruby and me. 
We're eating yogurt raisins. Ruby is playing with another baby elephant. And I'm holding hands with a lovely gorilla. She has red lips and a flower in her hair. I look, as I always do in Julia's picture, like an elegant fellow. But something is different about this drawing. In this picture, I am smiling. Click. The door to my cage is propped open. I can't stop staring at it. My door? Open. The giant box has been moved, and it's open too. The humans have pushed it up against my doorway. If I walk through my door, I enter their box. The zoo lady, whose name is Maya, is here again. Click, yogurt raisin. Click, tiny marshmallow. Click, ripe papaya. Click, apple slice. Hour after hour. Click after click. I look over at Ruby. She waits to see what I will do. I touch the box. I sniff the dark interior where a ripe mango awaits. Click, click, click. I have to do it. Ruby is watching me from between the bars of her cage, and this box is the way out. I step inside. An idea. After I leave the box and step back into my cage, I get an idea. A good one. I tell Bob he can sneak into my box with me and live at the zoo. Have you forgotten? I'm a wild beast, Ivan, he says, sniffling the, uh, sniffing the floor for crumbs. I am untamed, undaunted. Bob's, Bob samples a piece of celery and spits it out. Besides, they've noticed humans are dumb, but they're not that dumb. Respect. Ivan, Ruby says, do you think the other elephants will like me? I think they'll love you, Ruby. You'll be part of their family. Do you think the other gorillas will like you? Ruby asks. I'm a silverback, Ruby, a leader. I pull back my shoulders and hold my head high. They don't have to like me. They have to respect me. Even, if I, even as I tell her this, I wonder if I can ever command their respect. I haven't had much practice being a real gorilla, much less a silverback. Do you think the other elephants will know any jokes? If they don't, I tell her, you can teach them. Ruby flaps her ears. She flicks her tail. You know what, Ivan? What, I ask. I think I'm going to go in the box tomorrow. I gaze at her fondly. I think that's a good idea. And I think Stella would have agreed. Do you think the other elephants will know how to play tag? I love tag. Me too, I say. And I think of my nimble sister racing through the brush, always just out of my reach. Mm. Photo. Late at night, Mac opens my cage. The full moon falls on his sagging shoulders. He seems smaller somehow. Bob, instantly alert, leaps off my stomach and dives under knot tag. Don't bother hiding, dog, Mac says. I know you sleep in here. Mac settles onto my tire swing. Might as well stay one more night. Your buddy's leaving tomorrow. Tomorrow? 
My stomach drops. I'm not ready. I need more time. I haven't said my goodbyes. I haven't thought this through. Mac pulls a small photo out of his shirt pocket. It's me when I was young. Mac and I are in the front seat of his convertible. I'm wearing a baseball cap and eating an ice cream cone. I was a handsome lad, but I have to admit, I look ridiculous. Nothing like a real gorilla. We had some laughs, didn't we, Guy? Mac says. Remember when we went on that roller coaster? Or that time I tried to teach you to play basketball? Mac shakes his head, chuckling. You had a lousy jump shot. He stands, sighs, looks around. He puts the photo back in his pocket. I'm going to miss you, Ivan, he says. And then he leaves. He doesn't look back. Leaving. Early in the morning, Maya arrives with many other humans. Some have white coats, some have rustling papers. They are hushed, busy, determined. Ruby enters her box first. I'm scared, Ivan, she calls from inside the box. I don't want to leave you. A part of me doesn't want her to leave either, but I know I can't tell her that. Think of all the amazing stories you can share with your new family, I say. Ruby falls silent. I'll tell them your elephant joke, she says after a long pause. The one about the refrigerator? (laughs) I bet they'll like that. And be sure to tell them about Bob and Julia and me and Stella. I'll remember everyone, Ruby says, especially you. Before I can say any more, they roll her cage out to the waiting truck. It's my turn. Bob is hiding in a corner behind my pool. The humans don't even notice him. While they're busy making sure my box is ready, Bob sneaks over. He licks my chin, just in case there are any leftovers. You, I whisper, are the one and only Bob. I reach for not tag. She is a limp rag without her. Stuffing. She is a limp rag without her stuffing. Dribbles of paint covered her fur. I hold her out to Bob. He tilts his head, confused. To help you sleep, I say. Bob takes her in his teeth and slips away. Good boy. Good, Ivan. Good boy, Maya says when I lumber into my box. I hear the clicker and I'm rewarded with a tiny marshmallow. When I'm settled, Maya gives me a sweet drink that tastes of mango and something bitter. My eyelids grow heavy. I want to see what happens next, but I am sleepy, so sleepy. I dream I'm with Tag and we're swinging from vines while Stella watches. The sun slices through the thick ceiling of trees and the breeze tastes like fruit. Moving. My eyes flutter open, the box is moving. I am in the grumbling belly of some great beast. I fall back asleep. Awakening. I awake to glass and steel. It's a new cage, not unlike my old cage, except that it's much cleaner. Maya's here and other humans I recognize. Hey there, Ivan, Maya says. He's coming to you guys. I have three walls of glass. 
The fourth wall is a curtain of wooden slats strung together. This doesn't look like the zoos on TV. Where are the other animals? Where are the gorillas? Is this where Ruby ended up? In a cage just like her old cage? Still alone? Is she cold? Hungry? Sad? Is there anyone to tell her stories when she can't get to sleep? Oh my goodness, boys and girls, I have so many wonderings. I hope that they are going to the zoo and not alone again like they were at the old mall. Dear listeners, stay tuned for one final exciting episode of the One School, One Book podcast. Thank you so much for participating by sending in your thoughts, reactions, and predictions. And until next time, happy reading.